Good morning. It is Friday, October 7th, and things that are trending this hour. McDonald's workers, they're begging customers to stop ordering the adult Happy Meal. It's a nostalgic marketing ploy. They say the new adult Happy Meals are killing me. The frontline workers are stressed out by the limited time promotion. It runs until the end of October. Apparently, it's difficult getting the Happy Meal toy into the adult Happy Meal box. Also trending, the Colts. On this chilly morning in Indianapolis, a lot of people tired after staying up late to watch that that game that went yes. into overtime, mm-hmm. that touchdownless game with a lot of turnovers and interceptions and fumbles. The final score, the Colts did walk away with the win, 12 to 9. So somebody did the math yesterday. It was on the internet, so it had to be true. So for the purposes of this discussion, let's assume it's true. Yeah. They broke down what Amazon paid to the National Football League for the rights to Thursday night football. And I want to say it was something like $13 billion or something like that. I, I could, Maybe I'm off on that whatever it doesn't matter the point is when you break it down game by game over the over the length of the contract with amazon the national football league has maybe it's a 13 year deal i can't remember again it doesn't matter they did the math and every game that amazon airs comes out to 78 million dollars to air every game that they air for the national football league so think about amazon spent if indeed that is true Mm -hmm. 78 million dollars to air that debacle last night it was a high anxiety game especially if you were betting on it but you walked away a winner i was a winner you know my theory with the colts and i've said this out loud so here is how i bet every colts game whatever the spread is i bet the colts to cover it up to and including the money line (laughs) unless they're favored then i'll just bet them on the money line because here's what will happen as a result of that either the Colts will win or cover the spread, as they did last night, and I will win money, which is great. Or the Colts will lose, and in which case, whatever small amount I've bet, mm-hmm. I will get far more joy than that <laughs> listening to the Dan Dockett show the day after the game if the Colts lose. So yeah. either way, I cannot lose in that equation. You walk away a winner right. no matter what yep. happens. Finally trending is Fat Bear Week. You can go vote for the Fat Bear at fatbearweek.org. This is the time of year when the largest brown bears on earth make their home to Brooks River in Katmai National Park, Alaska. You know, right before they go into hibernation, they're eating a lot of fish. Wow. They got their pictures taken, and you can vote on who is the fattest bear. All right. Um, Casey, let's talk about something very important, shall yeah. we? Yeah. And we have said this many times. While I maintain the most important thing you will vote on this fall will be Secretary of State in the state of Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think a close second, and you can make a compelling case based on what community you're in, it's the most important thing will be school board races. Mm-hmm. And we've had a bevy of candidates reach out to us. We're trying to get through all of them as fast as we can. We can't interview one every day, but we're trying to because we want people to be aware of who these people are running in the communities and the things that a candidate in Brownsburg like we had yesterday or Zionsville the day before that, the things they're talking about in those communities are probably happening in some semblance in yours. But I said, let's take an overarching view yeah. of what people should be asking, be aware of, be talking about in these school board races, whether you're in Greenfield or Greenwood or Zionsville or Brownsburg or Fishers, because again, it's a lot of the same topics. And when school board terms were like they are for four years, you got one shot 
to get this right uh, this fall. So I said, let's bring in the expert, the man, mm-hmm. the myth, the legend, the guy who we turn to for all things education expertise, the great, great Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review. How in the world are you? Uh, I'm excellent with an introduction like that. I'm going to have an ego the size of Rob Kendall by the end of the segment. <laughs> now, you, now, you now have people. You brought a a strong man in here with you. You are so popular. Now you have people that walk around with you. Oh, yeah. I have a whole entourage, actually. I, I walk through the streets of Indianapolis people shower me with flowers and canned goods they say tony you're so fantastic please come teach my children and you're, you're like the black hand from remember in the godfather the black hand uh the original that uh, the bad guy that the uh that uh, robert de niro oh yeah they hand him oranges yes in the street. Please you take didn't him think oranges. he knew i didn't think I he th- knew i said i guarantee tony kennett the learned educated man that he is knows exactly who the black hand is all right so school board help me understand this there is one office in the state of indiana uh, that is not air quote nonpartisan. that you don't have to put a letter next to your name it's not surveyor yeah. it's not uh it's not coroner. recorder it's not coroner it's school board that is totally because the republicans in the state are petrified of the teachers union true or false uh yeah that's true and also it's because it's incredibly antiquated uh, naivety oh we can have politics that just doesn't have <laughs> politics around here gee goodness boy if i if i put rd next to my name then people will think that i'm trying to turn kids into donkeys and elephants toto <laughs> It's the most naive way to view politics in the state. No one is impressed. In fact, it's incredibly depressing to see the strategy or lack thereof in the state of Indiana when it comes to education policy or election policy. It's it's like watching the Colts play on Thursday night. You know what I love, Kenneth? He's a smart version of me. Like, if I were a learned man, it's me, but he's a refined, sophisticated mm-hmm. version of me. So the Republicans in this state, and by that we're talking about the state legislature, Tony, they absolutely know what's going on in Zionsville and Brownsburg and Fishers. They know this, and they know a big part of it is these loony leftists are able to get on these school boards that are Republican communities because they don't have to put a letter next to their name. Well, you, you say they know, and I've actually sat in meetings where a representative will look at the parents that are concerned in the eye and say, I hear that you're concerned, but this just isn't really happening anywhere. And this is, or it's not happening outside of Hamilton County, or it's not happening outside of insert county name here. And it's amazing because I think based on the staffers that I've spoken to, that comes from some Indiana Republican staffers who will do two pages of research on google.com and then say, (laughs) well, it's not happening anywhere around here. So I guess, I guess that these parents must be crazy. And to to be fair, also, that comes with a lot of individuals wasting time by chasing stories that aren't happening, like the Kokomo litter box hoax that came a while ago. No one actually did any background research. It was just a bad thing, so we're going to run the story. So those equally hand-in-hand, hand, the dismissiveness of the establishment Republican Party in the state, added with the uh, taking any bad story must be true angle that a lot of the populists in the state take, create kind of an annoying lack of strategy for uh, running better school board candidates or at least running races properly. The bright side is uh, the Democrats seem to be doing everything that they can to lose school board races across the state of Indiana. Uh, and that is, you've seen uh, former superintendent uh, Jennifer McCormick actually getting involved. She's awful. Endorsing an entire pack of school board candidates. So the Democrats have, you know, gone around the state whining. Why are you guys making school board elections political? They're not, but supp- they're supposed to be suburban mom soccer popularity contest like they have been since the 90s and all this other whining nonsense and then 
they have Major Democrat McCormick come out and endorse a pack of Democrat candidates right. for HSE. And so when looking at this, I have two key pieces of advice for parents. Advice number one is get on social media and actually find out who the candidates are that are running in your district. So you should engage like the townie chatterboard, which is usually just a cesspool of hell. Yeah. Uh, People who think that the newspaper is the place to go to for information need to wake up. It's not 1973. People who think that cable and local news are the place to get information. No disrespect to 13 and 8 and 6 and 59. But they have station managers that decide what airs. Yeah. And I know because the Fox 59 station manager has made decisions. That's a great thing. About, what that's a, does and doesn't go on air. And Casey can back this up. That's a great thing about this show. Our management never reads our template. We send it to them every day and I guarantee they never <laughs> look at it. You're, we're just freewheeling over here, mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because well, he's not wrong. TV stations do that. And even corporately on a national level, mandates will come down. You must say this. You must cut this script. We're going to put this on the air. We had offers to buy chalkboard review out by several organizations, both on on the left and on the right that we knew that if we actually signed our name on the dotted line took the cash payment and bailed that they would be telling chalkboard review what to publish education wise and that is that's unconscionable to me it's almost like what happened with drudge remember when drudge used to yeah. be like the place that's a really great point i i used to follow drudge uh, uh, once upon a time back when it was just you know times new roman black headlines <laughs> on a page with low <laughs> resolution pictures but to school board races i think the biggest pitfalls that people run into is is taking school board candidates at their word yeah that you know they'll you'll have someone come up and say well i just care about the kids <laughs> and i just care about making sure that they're able to learn and that, and that what we need to do is is what works and it's like great congratulations on passing eighth grade debate we're <laughs> glad that you're out here running the the political strategy of equating a post-it note on the refrigerator you need to press as a voter Press them a little more. Give them hypotheticals. Ask them what they would do in this situation. Ask them about the budget. Ask them for specifics. And if they cannot give you specifics, they are not worth your time. They are running because it's fun or because it's politically engaging. They're not running to actually make a difference in the school. Can you hang around for another segment? You got it. Okay. Tony Kennett of Chalkboard Review is with us. We got into like two of the 30 things I want to get into because the school board elections are so important. Mm -hmm. When we come back... Tony was all fired up. He was like, we have to talk about Ground Zero, the battleground of Hamilton County. Yes. And uh, so we'll get into that coming up next. More continued conversation about school board elections when we return. Yep. 93 WIBC. Good morning. It is 19 minutes after 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Joining us in studio is Tony Kennett from Chalkboard Review. Now, Tony, in the last segment, you gave uh, everyone some advice regarding the school people running for school board. One was find them on social media to do some research about them. And number two was ask specific questions, uh, what they stand for. Really get into the weeds with them if you want to know. Of course, they're going to say they like children and want to help children, but you're saying dig deeper. Oh, yeah. Give them hypotheticals. In this situation you know with this referendum what's it going to be spent for and why what do our teachers make at this district why do they make that money what ancillary staff do we hire why why is it necessary to have 546 counselors on staff here instead of funding the teachers paychecks fully why is muncie school corporation able to pay their subs really well and yet our school corporation pays substitute teachers 50 cents and a grapefruit. So those are questions <laughs> that you need to ask. I, am I wrong? I've gotten into this. will shock you, Tony. I've gotten into it with several school board members you over the years. You've gotten into it with someone? I'm shocked. I, uh, I get really upset 
when they say we're here to serve the children. No, you're not. You're here to serve the taxpayer. The children don't vote for you. The children don't pay the taxes. The children don't provide the entity to exist. These school board members, and many of them do, and it's unlike any other office, believe that they are there to serve the children oftentimes ahead of the taxpayer, and that is not your job. Well, there's also this idea that they know what's better for children than you do, because that's where that idea leads. And so this is where you get Terry McAuliffe in the Virginia gubernatorial election saying parents shouldn't be deciding what the curriculum is because there's this theory that I look, I have a science education degree and a biology degree and a couple education master's degrees. That does not give me the right. What's it like to be smart? You know, I'll sit down and tell you about it sometime. It'll take a while. (laughs) That all said, I think that. There is none of that that gives me the right to tell you what your children need to know. I can provide advice like any person in a free speech country can provide advice, but that doesn't give me the right to tell you what to do with your children. Unfortunately, a lot of school board candidates in today's day and age, especially in Indianapolis, have moved into telling you what your kids are to do and what they're not to do, and also willing they are willing to cover things up uh when it comes to you and your kids that if your kid makes a decision at school they don't have to tell parents they can cite that they claim there might be some type of an abuse situation at hand and that is a very very dangerous uh line of reasoning what about all these parents who don't know what's going on until they see something that comes home with their student well, there was this idea in American education that basically has been consistent since the 1950s that as long as there is no engine light, I don't need to check the oil. Oh, yes. And so that's how everyone treated American education. As long as the kid came back and he didn't talk like he was an idiot, then you thought the school was probably doing something okay. Unfortunately, the American education system has degraded in so many different ways for so long that when parents were finally forced to sit down with their kids during the COVID lockdowns, mm-hmm. they were forced to open the hood of the car and they saw smoke pouring out of the engine block even though there was no engine light on and that is why a lot of parents are getting involved we are tearing down the complacency of the american parent so let's talk about the bluing of suburban indiana okay you mentioned the battleground area specifically uh, zionsville carmel fishers avon brownsburg Uh, Why is that the battleground area in this state? So for a long time, the wealthier portions of Indiana were often more Republican. You know, the Indianapolis Sailing Club is is always has kind of been the idea. Your your family's around Geist. No, really, this is what I growing up in rural Indiana. That's what we thought. That's just that was the image that was presented. And over time, as uh, entertainment and food, uh, the Latin phrase being panem et circusis, the idea that if you give everyone a lot of entertainment and a lot of food, then they'll be complacent and happy. This kind of happened to Indianapolis. Well, what also happens politically from our observations in Western civilization is that the more bored someone is with all of their food and all of their entertainment and all of their needs are met and their lives are just wonderful, they become liberal. And they become more and more progressive because they have very little purpose or work to drive for. So they take up these political causes because they're bored. They want social virtue. Same thing that's going on with the Indiana Republican Party over the last decade because the Democrats are so inept. We never have to worry about them. And our primary job is to basically participate in legalized vote buying. Well, it's it's status quoism. The idea that, well, at least it's not the Democrats. And so they're basically settling along the idea that, well, as long as Indianapolis and the suburban areas keep voting red because that's what's good for business, then we're going to be safe and fine. Unfortunately for them, that actually doesn't meter out in economics and it doesn't meter out in the culture situations that more and more voters are becoming concerned about, especially in northern Indianapolis, which is why in the school board races, you're seeing such vitriol. Uh, Hamilton County and also the surrounding counties, this kind of northern 
northern windshield shape around Indianapolis north, uh, northeast, and the northwest of 465 have been just intense school board races. I have never seen anything like this in Midwestern like school board races. Uh, when I studied it, when I was in Governor Walker's office, this is something new. It's it's verging on violent with how insane things are getting in these races. Tony Kent of Chalkboard Review, our guest. Couple minutes left here with him. We're talking about these school board races this fall. One other thing, and it they pass with great propensity. Uh, is that the right word? You're the smart one here. They pass a lot. Is that a great? Is it the right word? Let's Come just on, go educate. Consistently. Can they pa- there you go, perfect. They ca- they pass consistently unless I'm leading the charge against them in your community, these school referendums. And I have no idea what sort oh, of— Carmel hit- is the poster child for referendums that are so expensive and that taxes are skyrocketing <laughs> and they're charging for like, we're going to build a brand new track field this year because that's what kids need or we need more counselors for LGBTQ plus inclusive and all these referendums that are coming through. How do they do it? How is the hypnosis? Because if like the town came to them and said, we want to do the same thing oftentimes the school wants to do, people would never raise their taxes to do this. But in Zionsville, as you said, Carmel— uh, Westfield. I mean, they're all over the place. You see these referendums that pass with flying colors. It's like people just, their brains just turn off when they're told your child might suffer if, when the child never suffers if the thing doesn't happen. Rob, do you want children to die? Uh, no, I'm a big proponent of well, children. Well, then you're going to vote for this referendum. Oh, I see That's how it the works. logic of the school board. If you don't want children to die, if you don't want children to be stomped in the street and sent to the coal mines, Rob Kendall, then you're going to vote for this referendum, and you're going to pay me lots of money <laughs> to not really improve the school. And then they champion that that uh, the, the reading rates at Carmel and at Noblesville and at Zionsville, they're not spectacular. They're not bad. They're not. They're not bad schools, but they are not spectacular. The scores are not drastic. Drastically improving, but aren't these blue ribbon schools and national award-winning schools? Well, yes, but they're winning national awards from those who are more concerned about the progressive politics that a school portrays rather than the academic performance. So this is like me winning an award uh, from uh, pick someone that I'm. Let's be like me winning an award from my own breaking news reporter behind me. Gary's like Tony, <laughs> you are just great at running chalkboard review. Here's an award, and then I walk around saying, "Hey guys, look at this award that I received." Well, yeah, it's coming from the organization that is telling you what. To do, of course, they're going to give you awards. We could do this for a whole hour, but in the meantime, you have a fabulous website that talks about a whole bunch of this stuff and a whole lot more. Tell us about it. You should head over to chalkboardreview.com. Sign up for our newsletter so every week you can see all of the latest education stories, not just in Indiana, but nationally. Often the stuff that many places don't publish, like Chalkbeat and like the Indianapolis Star, which is indeed a trash filled rag. You're really good at this. Please don't take my job. Hey, anytime that uh, you're out of the chair, I will take it. Tony Kennett, thank you, my friend. It's 93 WIBC with Kendall and Casey. Good morning. Good morning. It is 1031 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Our voicemail line, 317-684-8444. We love hearing from you. Your questions, comments, smart remarks, whatever's on your mind. Okay, so let's get right into it. A lot to get to today. We have had a lot of people call because they are very upset at how much 
tax these Republicans in this state collect as it relates to cars and your automobile and driving? And obviously we have a ridiculous amount of gas tax mm-hmm. uh, on every gallon of gas you buy. But we had people call the other day about the license plate, uh, the tax with that. And then somebody made a great point about another very fabulous tax in you, in which you pay in this state that works, this all-Republican state, the wheel tax. Mm. Hey, Ken OKC, this is B. Hackett calling. i uh, just listening to your comment about the tax on roads and whatnot. What about the wheel tax that was imposed here several years ago, mainly for northern Indiana and wherever there's Amish buggies tearing up the roads? came into play because the Amish basically didn't have any tax obligations, so they put the wheel tax, which then they had to pay for how many wheels was on their buggy, and then also the plate tax. They finally got, had to start paying uh, a fee for their plate on the back of their buggy. So that was a pretty good idea. I just don't know if it's still in play and if how much revenue it brings into our state, but that'd be fun to find out if they're still paying a wheel tax. Yes, you are. Many counties have a wheel tax. It is a lot more than the Amish. Mm-hmm. And there is a good chance next time you pay your registration, if you look, and again, this is an example of people not paying attention, mm-hmm. when you pay your license and registration, you will see if your county has a wheel tax. What the hell is that, Casey? Other than a giant money grab, a wheel tax, you will see that when you uh, purchase your license and registration. I'm looking at it right now. The wheel tax is officially known as the local option highway user tax. Uh-huh. They've always got big creative names for them, don't they? Passed in the General Assembly in 1980 is the only optional tax specifically for road funding. This is what county governments do when they're irresponsible with your money. I think they've got one in Hendricks County, where I live, where when they can't balance their budget or pay their bills or they've got new legalized vote-buying schemes to participate in, they enact a wheel tax. I don't, I don't know why people, I mean, I don't know how many examples we have to give you people of just how gross and despicable the Republican Party in the state is when it comes to confiscating and hoarding as much of your money as possible. Uh, another calls, there remain people very upset about this. Uh, remember when the government took $1,500, I'm sorry, the government, the Republicans, because they control the government, mm-hmm. took $1,500 of your money, Casey, mm-hmm. and then, well, you didn't get the any The overtaxation, no, I didn't get any. Yeah, but a lot of people got $200 of that back, and they patted themselves on the back, mm-hmm. and Try, you know, said we should deserve a parade for that. Uh, some people remain upset they have not received their uh, their refund. Take a listen. Hey, Rob. Hey, Casey. Love you guys. Um, part about that tax pass, whatever you want to call it. Um, my wife and I have never received even that first $125, let alone receiving the other 200 well, now the government has told you do not contact them until right. November 1st. Sure, it was passed all the way back in March that you should have been getting your money, but don't contact them until November 1st. And I wonder, Casey, next year when taxes are due, mm-hmm. if you don't pay your taxes on time, April, whatever that day is, and you just write a note to the government and say, don't contact me until November 1st. Just wait longer. That's going to go over really well, won't it? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Although I did notice since Tara Klutz, the auditor, is up for re-election, they may damn sure to get those uh, second round of checks out there as fast as uh, humanly possible. <laughs> right. right. Uh, all right. Uh, you remember the other day when the guy called, and we get this every so often, where people were clamoring for me to 
abandon this highly popular, very well-rated mm-hmm. radio show. And run for governor. And I said I could I could not do that. And, I've, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot, Rob, and I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Would you be Rob for Indiana mm-hmm. or Kendall for Hoosiers? What, what exactly, what would it be? Well, I don't know what my committee would be called. Probably like the You're Lucky to Have Me <laughs> committee. Because, you know, think about it, at the end of every ad, you've got to say for this ad paid for. Mm-hmm. This ad paid for by You're, you're lucky, lucky to, to Have, have Me. me. <laughs> well, uh, maybe that's what I would call it. Okay. Because then everybody would be talking. If I did indeed run, as I said, it would be the most entertaining campaign the state has ever seen or ever would see because mm-hmm. everything I would do would draw mass amounts of media attention. Especially with Hammer as your yes. media representative. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We would, look, politics and government is a joke. The people in politics and government are a joke. And we would shine a light on what a joke all of these people, not all of them, but most of these people, absolutely are. That is always the goal. It's what we do here every day. We hold the mirror up and make people look in the mirror. This guy, because I said if I did it, I would do it more than likely as a libertarian. Mm -hmm. This guy called, he asked an interesting question, he made an interesting point, and so I'll play it and then we'll respond to it. What one of you said about if you uh, ran for governor, that the, the press conferences would be more honest. It just seems to me that that's that's correct. It would be because it's it's real simple about some of the things in government that they do, like you talk about. It's not rocket science to drop the, the like you said, the gas tax. But no, because they're used to that money being lined in their pockets, and of course, they what would they do without it? Oh boy! But it's real simple. It's not, it's kind of like elementary school stuff. I mean, it's like what would help the people? That would that would help everyone. But no, can't do that. But it'd be a good idea to think about the, the governor run. Yes, I get the point you said if you can't win. But, like, my question is, why do you necessarily have to pick a race? You know, a libertarian, Republican, Democrat, whatever. Why can't you just be for the people? And you're just, uh, what, they call it independent or... But it's, once again, all about money. So it's not about the best candidate or best person win. It's most commonly who has the most money. Okay, so this guy mm-hmm. makes a great point. He asks a great, <coughs> great and very fair question. Because mm-hmm. I would describe myself, I am definitely a split-ticket voter. Mm-hmm. I will be voting for both Libertarians and one Republican this fall. Sometimes it's the other way around. It just depends. And so I guess you would say that makes you more independent. The problem is, in Indiana, because the Republicans and Democrats have rigged the ballot access laws, that it is almost impossible to get on the ballot for a statewide office as an independent because of the signature requirement. Mm-hmm. You need 10%. You, you have to be, you have to get, you, well, for, I'm talking about signatures. If you run as an independent, the amount of signatures you have to get verified agreed signatures is based on the amount of voters in the secretary of state's race it's a very complex formula that's to be just get your name on the ballot unless you run under a political party which the libertarians even if they don't get primary ballot access they have general election ballot access it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that you save it it is a rigged system that it is designed to keep independent thinkers off the ballot. They do not want somebody without an, a party affiliation running for public office. And so in order to have any chance, you would have to run under one of the three 
banners because of the ballot access that comes with it. Now, here's a question for you. You have said that you would not run unless because you would only run if you knew you could win. I don't want to abandon you. That's primarily oh, Well, I, I don't want you to do that either, but if it were to benefit uh, the Hoosiers throughout the state, maybe that's the better play. But what is wrong with just running, even if you know you're not going to win, just to get some some real conversation, some, you well, know, not the same narrative being it's, discussed all the time. Like, people want someone who's authentic, who's going to be honest and tell the truth. Okay, so here's the question I have for you, Casey. If I do that, are you and Kevin going to pay my bills? Because unlike other people, like most people run, we don't know what Diego does for a job, Mm -hmm. but let's use, uh, in this case, let's use James Siniak, the libertarian, Mm -hmm. or Jeff Moore, the libertarian running for Secretary of State in U.S. Senate. They can continue to work their job while they run for these offices. Now, I'm sure they're getting cooperation from their job. I have to go do this, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But they still earn a living. My job, because of rules associated with the Federal Communications Commission and this ownership in general would probably impose. You can't do both. Would not allow me to do this. So why would, and, and no offense to any other job that someone else works, the power that comes with this job and the ability to influence people once you give it up, mm-hmm. yes, I would be getting lots of media attention for me and the things I want to talk about, but it would not be near the power and the ability to influence people that comes with WIBC every day. So unless I'm certain that I have a better chance than not to win, it is not worth it to me to give up this forum every you've single already, day. You've already got the platform to yes. be honest. All right, we have two things we have to get to before the break. Music, for some reason, just sparks conversation on this show like nobody's business. And mm-hmm. I guess it's something in case you worked for years and years and years in, in music radio. Mm-hmm. That I guess because everybody has an opinion on it, right? Oh, yeah. So one of the things that has enraged people is my comment about the Beatles, that they are the most overrated band ever. The majority of stuff they put out is crap. All the Paul McCartney stuff sounds almost exactly the same. And the White Album is ground zero, example A, B, C, D, E, F, and G of why the <laughs> Beatles are just totally overrated and it was mass hisno- hypnosis and hysteria of what they did to this country and to the world. And this guy was really upset about that. Hi, this is Ryan from Bloomington. There's no way someone born circa 1984 <laughs> can possibly understand how innovative and groundbreaking the Beatles were. And the White Album was their best album because it had twice as much music as any of the other albums. Uh And Glass Onion was fantastic. Oh, oh, you don't like Revolution number nine? Number nine? Tough. You clearly don't understand Psychedelica. Maybe if you smoked a little something, something first, then maybe that'd make a difference. That's enough. Probably a Princeton grad. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Biden may be, you know, deregulating. Kevin, yes. Yeah, I think uh, I do agree with that last part. I think you might have to uh, yeah. step outside your mind and <laughs> experiment with some uh, psychedelics. Okay. He does have a point. You weren't living through it. Right. So because y- the- y- somebody who did live through it would sure. have a different perspective. Right. Um, I disagree with him that the White Album was the best one. I would. 
argue maybe Sergeant Peppers. Here's what I did, Casey. Yeah. I just and you were here when I was doing this. Yeah. I just said I'm going to pick a random song off the album that I'm not like intimately familiar with, the mm-hmm. White Album, because mm-hmm. this guy has declared it the greatest thing in the history of ever. I don't want to pick Revolution uh, Revolution Number Nine, mm-hmm. which, as we know, is just inaudible, insufferable wailing because that's crap. So I just picked a random song. One on there named Piggies, and I'm going to play Piggies for you, a little <laughs> snippet of Piggies, and you tell me if this is the greatest thing that has ever been recorded in the history of ever. Okay. Have you seen the pink of Piggies in the starched white shed? You will find the pink of Piggies staring up the dead. Always have clean shades to play. Okay, I'm going to read that for you, shall we, in case, you know, some of it was so muffled and ridiculous you couldn't understand a damn word coming out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. By the way, is every Paul McCartney song not exactly the same? Yeah, he, is every well, Paul he, McCart- was, he was the poppy side of the Beatles. Every Paul McCartney song is when I'm 64. Mm-hmm. They're all exactly, yes, Kevin. Oh, no. Oh, I think they were. Continue, please. I'm going to read the lyrics, what we just heard there. This is the greatest thing that was ever recorded, Casey. It's right up there with Like a Rolling Stone, uh, Born to Run, Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. The lyrical genius in these words, I'm totally on board with this guy now. Have you ever seen the bigger piggies in their starched white shirts? Mm -hmm. You will find the bigger piggies stirring up the dirt mm-hmm. always have clean shirts to play around in in their styes with all their backing they don't care what goes on around in their eyes there's something lacking what they needs a damn good whacking well they're railing against corporate yeah oh, right suits. there that's right. The, yeah it's the suits that's uh-huh. that's the song that's you know uh, wait the beatles the man is putting them down apple music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who they live in castles mm-hmm. and are worth hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars now railing on corporatism and capitalism oh yeah i now get it all casey <laughs> we, actually we had and we're not gonna have time okay there is a phone call i absolutely have to play but we'll save it for next hour because we got to get to Hammer. Yep. We want to talk to him. Yeah, because we've got to talk about that Colts game last yeah. night. Because somebody right. wanted to fight about Johnny Cash, too. So Wait, what? Yeah, somebody wanted to fight about Johnny Cash as well. And I knew this would Oh, totally now it's t- on. Yeah, so. Okay. Hammer's up next from 93 WIBC. Come from the cities and they come from the small town. Good morning. It is 1051 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Today is John Mellencamp's birthday. So all day long, we've been playing Mellencamp songs. This is also a song that's on my patriotic playlist. Mm-hmm. As you know, I get into the 4th yes, of July. Yep. I'm fireworks guy. Yeah, you're that guy. And uh, <laughs> I bring all my DJ gear out. I got the lights going on. I've got the patriotic playlist. And uh, ROCK in the USA is a part of that playlist. Now, another song that really isn't even patriotic that makes its way to everybody's fireworks show is Born in the USA by Bruce. No one listens to lyrics. I don't. I, I, I never understood. Politicians use it. People use it at Fourth of July events. They Let's, see USA and Born in the USA, and they think this is some sort of great patriotic anthem. It, it is a terribly depressing song about a disgruntled, forgotten Vietnam soldier. I mean, it's just, it's 
Right. People enrage me. But it's catchy as hell. And when you hear that opening, done, like you know exactly what it is. So, Rob, here are your world's colliding today. John <laughs> Mellencamp once did a cover of Born in the USA. I think it was for like the Kennedy yes. Award show or something. It's awful. It's really awful, but you'll probably like it. Uh, let's go ahead and play some of this. Down in the shadow penitentiary <laughs> Out by the gas falls and refineries Our pennies running down the road With the look on Casey's no face right run, now got no it looks like she smells an egg part. In the USA. down in the USA. Oh, man. Did he just have like a southern accent? He went full Brian Kelly right there. There is a, this is, so this was the Kennedy Centers where every year they honor, you know, different people have contributed to society. And mm-hmm. I think it was to like 2009 was Bruce Springsteen. And so they, it, what they do with the musicians is always, they have various famous musicians come out and play covers of, mm-hmm. you know, their famous songs. Yeah. And they will always obviously play, show the artist and then they will cut back to the person being honored while they're, you know, singing. And my favorite part of this, I'm gonna. It's been years since I've seen this. Is they cut back to Bruce Springsteen, and it's like this forced, fake smile, Yay. like nodding his head. Yeah. Like it's like when you open up a Christmas gift from your grandma. <laughs> Thank oh. you for the sweater. Thanks. So John Mellencamp has the song, and I, I've mentioned it before. It's called Key West Intermezzo, and some of the lyrics in that song is he says, there's a guy on stage crucifying John Lennon. So somebody is doing a cover of John Lennon, and John Mellencamp is saying that he's just yeah. ruining it. The same could be said for that. There's a guy crucifying Ke- Springsteen. Kevin, I forgot to tell you real quick, in the voicemails, it says for Hammer real big, and I forgot because I want to play this for Hammer because yesterday you had come on and said uh, you played the Chili Dog song for yes. us, which is... Sucking uh, on Chili Dog. Yes. <laughs> it's sucking on Somebody chili remade dog. Jack and Diane, but they made all of the lyrics just sucking on a chili dog. Sucking on Chili Dog. You got what, it? What was the date of this? It's today. And it should be in there. And it says, I think I labeled it as Four Hammer, Great Big. And we've played this quite a bit oh, on our show. Chili Dog we've played it a hammer. couple yes, times. Yes, Chili here. Dog Four. Okay, so yes, we had someone call about this because you have ruined this guy's <laughs> day playing that for us yesterday. Hey, Rob. Hey, Casey. Love the show. Listen every day. And I really like Hammer, but I think it's time you discontinue a segment. Uh, why, you may ask? Um Sucking on chili dogs, sucking on chili dogs, sucking on chili dogs, sucking on chili dogs. By having that stuck in your head for a couple of days. <laughs> the scary part is, it's probably one of the better Mellencamp songs I've ever heard. Oh, wow. Shots fired. <laughs> He's not the only one. That happened to me. I was I was talking with <laughs> Terry Stacy the other day, and I just, sucking on chili dogs, sucking on chili dogs. A buddy of mine runs karaoke shows throughout the city of Indy and he sent me a video one night there was a guy in there that was doing that to that song <laughs> he was performing Jack and Diane but just doing sucking on a chili dog <laughs> uh, I would like to thank you you made me some money last night I only bet on one of the bets that you offered up which was that the Colts were getting the three and a half so I'd like to thank you for the money that you earned me last night I know the other couple of your bets didn't go real well but thank you for the money well the the over under was a disaster uh my philosophy on that was 
I'm going to go against the public because usually in sports betting, the public's wrong, right? <laughs> Those beautiful casino resorts in Las Vegas aren't built by the public being right. So I think I probably overthought that right. one a little bit. The prop bet on Naheem Hines would have hit. Yeah. That would have hit, but he got injured on the third play of the game. Mm-hmm. He still had two uh, receptions or passes thrown his way, caught one of them. Yep. So they were going to get him the ball. We were going to hit that. That's a so bad hit, wasn't it? We were on the right side well, of that. That looked bad. He was wobbling around, man. Like, the way he was walking around looked like a young Rob Kendall outside <laughs> of Broad Ripple at about 2 in the morning. Shouting across the uh, Broad Ripple Avenue, you people want your water to stay on? <laughs> you know who I am? You don't know the power I've got. Uh-huh. Young Rob Kendall and Paul Pelosi, I think, would have been good buddies. <laughs> hanging out together. You know, Hammer, you've never lived until you slept in the back of your car in the uh, parking garage in Broad Ripple. You know, that's really when you've peaked in life. Yeah, you, you tell were... me when you've passed out face down in a watery ditch <laughs> trying to hitchhike to Anderson for an after party, Was that, Is that the worst game ever played? Boy, it was close. Like, I would rather drink the water from Camp Lejeune than have to go back and watch any part of that game last night ever again. Yeah, that's what I texted Rob last night. I said the worst game in NFL history is going into overtime. Of course it was. Like, can we just... uh, Imagine all of the people who bet on first touchdown scorer or last touchdown scorer or any touchdown scorer. Those sports books cleaned up because nobody scored a touchdown yeah. last night. I, uh, I guess I'll see you at 1230. Yeah, we're going to jump up in a chat with Dan Dockage. Dan will be on my show today. We'll have more on this Colts game. Uh, Abdul will join us. We're talking polling. Mm-hmm. My buddy Brian Alvey's in studio. And Mindy Winkler fills in for Big Nige. Big show. Thanks, Hammer. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.